0: What's up guys, welcome back to another episode of the E4 Explosive Podcast, and today I have Professor. Wow. What's up guys, welcome back to another episode of the E4 Explosive Podcast, and today I have Khadijah Monk, PhD, who is a professor at Cal State in Los Angeles. That's why I'm repping the Lakers today. Super intelligent, very, very, very smart individual. I found her on a documentary about the five infamous serial killers, Gacy, BTK, Gary Ridgway, which is the Green River Killer, Ted Bundy, and um, Jeffrey Dahmer, who were all at the same time kind of actively killing. And she was highlighted in that show quite a bit. And she really was dropping dimes and knowledge, and I was really impressed by her. So I reached out to her. She accepted. And this is the episode that we produced. But, man, we talk about some heavy stuff in here about serial killers, her experience. Um, and we we once again kind of deep dive into this this world of the unknown that you know the whys of why these psychopaths do this kind of stuff and it's not just oh you know they killed animals as a kid and you know their mom beat them or deprived them of love it's there's a lot more to it and we go over a lot of that in this episode but it's fucking crazy man because these serial killers they've done some crazy shit and we talk about it so you're welcome don't forget to hit that like button subscribe to the channel and also Get that little bell notification going so that way you get notified every single time my face comes on the screen which is every week so enjoy this episode of the e4 Explosive podcast with professor Khadija monk see you next week peace out this episode of the e4x podcast is brought to you by bravo concealment bravo concealment is known for some of the best high quality and concealable holsters on the market located in the great state of texas they offer free shipping and unlimited lifetime warranty on all of their products and a 30-day money-back guarantee if you don't like the product. I've been using Bravo concealment for my gun holsters ever since I got into guns, and the quality is by far, bar none, the top-notch in the entire industry that I've seen. And right now, they're doing a buy one, get one free, plus free shipping, the 30-day money-back guarantee, and a lifetime warranty. On top of that, you, my friends, will get 10% off of any product, of any purchase, on their website by using EXPLICIT10. Use the code EXPLICIT10 and you'll get 10% off your entire purchase from bravoconcealment.com. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the E for Explicit Podcast. And today, I have a special guest, Khadijah Monk, who is a criminologist and a professor at Cal State LA. And thank you so much for coming on, Khadija. I appreciate it.
1: Thank you for having me. How are you also, doing?
0: Pretty good. Pretty good. So we were chopping up a little bit before we started, but um tell me not me because I already know who you are uh tell my audience the listeners and watchers who you are what you do you know you, you work at your professor but what kind yeah. of professors will dive into your life
1: let's oh, dive into my life oh no <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll give you like a um the short version yes. uh, and then if for some reason we have to go into the long version I can certainly do that so yeah I um I am a criminologist and essentially, um, criminologists sort of study, you know, crime and offending and, you know, just the ideology of offending and what makes people tick. Um, but really I, I study a little bit more broadly than that. And, you know, the things I teach and the things I research are a little bit more, um, Involved, and so what? What I actually like to research is something called environmental criminology, and and it's not like EPA violations, but what right. you know, something like that. But it really looks at you know crime patterns, so crime concentration, so why does crime um, concentrate here? You know, why is crime here and not here? And so when you think about sort of you know crime hotspots, if you will. Um, there is a you know temporal pattern you know crimes that cluster at a certain you know during certain parts of the day or certain parts of the year and then you know why does this crime you know happen over here and not here um so spatial you know aspects of crime too Damn, that's crazy everything has a pattern
0: a yeah i didn't even know was a thing so, so also you're talking about like maybe like uh like uh, low-income communities, why is it always happen? Certain certain crimes happen there, and then you know white-collar crimes happening. Is that what you mean? Like,
1: well, yeah, and, and that's the thing. It, it can be, um, you know, you you look at crime types, right? Because crime is not ubiquitous. We don't want to treat it like it's, you know, it doesn't matter if it's robbery or mm-hmm. um, if it's you know burglary or rape. You know, each uh, crime has its own like rhythm and pattern, and you know, um, it its own um, characteristics. Right. 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 Yeah. And so, and it brings its own sort of opportunity structure. And that's really why I, I'm really interested in it, because if you look at, you know, certain, when you're looking at crime, there's always a physical dimension and a social dimension, right. Cause it mm-hmm. has to happen in a place. Right? right. And what's the social backdrop happening at that time that makes crime, you know, More attractive there, and then physically, what does the space look like? Mm. You know, why why is it so easy for this to happen?
0: Right, that's crazy. I would have never thought that that was even a thing. Like, (laughs) like I understand like patterns and stuff like that. Um, but I think of it as like patterns and mo and like certain things for the actual crime itself, and also like the perpetrator and the victim. That's what I would look at it. But that's crazy. I didn't even think that was like a thing. Like, like the 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 area, like just environmental you said?
1: Yeah, well, you look at crime events, for instance, like a robbery, right? And if Mm -hmm. you think about a robbery, in your mind, you can blow it up into different components, right? You know, the victim, the offender, the place, you know, and how all those things sort of converge in in time and space, right? Right,
0: right. That's crazy. So that's what you like to do. Do you get to do a lot of that or no?
1: (laughs) I (laughs) do components of that. So um, often, you know, like right now, it's it's looking at sort of, it, the crime prevention aspect of it so you look at crime patterns in order to be mm. able to figure out why um does crime persist in an area and then you the you know the policy side is well then how can we reduce it so now that you know the components and how it happens and why it happens and ah. you know what are the conditions okay how do we stop that and so um you know typically there are things that you can do um which is called you know situational crime prevention, right? So there's different elements of that. So it's right. not just that you, um, there's ways that you can decrease the chances of crime, you know, um, and that can be something as simple as the way that you arrange your, um, you know, your front lawn, you know, the way that you physically alter your space to make it look a little bit more um, impenetrable, or you can, you um, you know, work with law enforcement, you can work with community leaders, you can work with your neighbors to find ways to, um, you know, sort of band together and reduce crime. So I I like to work with community groups and law enforcement to, you know, to look at, you know, like disorder and crime, like graffiti and, um, you know, nuisance type crimes and all those things. It's
0: funny you say that because that actually, I didn't know that part of it, but um one thing is i'm like always like like waiting for someone to break into my house like i'm always like freaked out uh i I live mainly i used i'm from dc so i lived in dc and it's like eh, you know a nice area but like still it's a city right so I mean right? yeah crime urban area it's gonna happen so it's funny because i'm like i've always learned and all the research that i've done i was like okay like last resort they come in the house i'm gonna defend myself because i'm i'm capable but the first line of of that is like the, like you said, kind of like having, even if I have security systems or not having this, the signs out there of yeah. stuff like that and lights on cameras, certain stuff that like will deter because most criminals, they don't want that smoke. Right. Really? They don't want that. They don't want to run into me in the middle of the hallway with a shotgun. They don't want that. They want, they don't want drama they want home. Exactly. So it's funny. Cause I never thought of it though. Like as in, envi- like, the way you just describe it, which is makes so much sense now. Um, because I saw a lot of that when I lived in DC of like environmental, like, crimes that that could have been more than likely, like you said, kind of maybe prevented almost uh, with certain, like even those minor things, like the stick in the, the grass in their front yard of like, you know, the, the, you know, ADT or whatever it is going to be, um, that would deter someone for the most part, having a light on that might not, if it's a pitch black house with no security, nothing really kind of, you know, preventing them, then, you know, I made it, I I'm told myself, I made it very difficult for someone to get into my house. If they got in, they probably meant me bodily harm, not just wanting to rob me. Cause at that point, right. I got signs everywhere. I've been like, "Listen, if you come in here, it's a rat." (laughs) Like, yeah, yeah. I never thought of it like that. That's that's kind of crazy.
1: You know, and I'm not explaining it as as well as as people that are you know that that are really um, you know in in the mix right now with with researching it. But um, it is. I mean, the best way I can explain it too is like it's it's sort of you know along the lines of you know um, industrial psychology and um ergonomics even it, right I, I explain it to students using a an example that was given to me years and years ago and it, it was about um Disney World and and I've never been to Disney World I've been to Disneyland but I've never been to Disney World um and I guess and I'm not sure if this is true now but you know have you ever been to Disney World
0: I've been to both yeah
1: um so uh, apparently um Disney World might be the you know in Orlando might be the, you know, most densely populated place on earth at a particular time. Right. You know, it might be like the summer months or something like that. Right. Um, And when you think about Disney world and the fact that it is, you know, highly densely populated. um, And then you start thinking about Disney world a little bit more, you know, you, you've got people from different countries coming in there. It's hot. It's expensive. You're waiting in lines for hours. Why? Those are the conditions for chaos. Why are people punching each other in the face more? Mm-hmm. And it's because they control your environment. They have set up the structure of Disney World to control you for when you're going in, you know, how the lines are snaking, mm-hmm. what you're watching, you're distracted, how they have, you know, the people wow. sort of like, you know, the characters in the street. All these things are done in a way to reduce the chances of you know uh, chaos
0: wow because that makes a lot of sense because that many people also the surrounding area specifically in Orlando the surrounding there's like nothing else in that area except the parks everything around it boarded up like not the best neighborhoods a lot of trailer parks a lot of like You know, not good areas. And then you have all these people like you said coming from all around the world to congregate in this one big area. That's crazy. That makes so much sense, though. They're they're trying to like dilute the potential of uh, a chaos situation.
1: Absolutely. Cause I mean, like you, you know, you're waiting in line, and it's like 90 degrees and you know, it's like, you, you, it seems that, you know, normally you would want to punch someone in the face just, just for that. Really. Especially
0: the Florida heat. No way.
1: Oh my yeah, No. The humidity.
0: Uh-huh. No, 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 oh, no. no. I hate it. Well, you know what, what, what is this then? So I talked to um, this is definitely di- diverted in a, in a great way, I think. Um, <laughs> but I, I talked to a, a, a FBI agent, Johnny Grusing and he's out, he's out here in Denver and um, he was telling me he did a lot of bank robberies. He's on homicide, you know, a lot of stuff and school shootings. But we were talking about bank robberies. And he's like, listen, he's like, um, he's like, you would be surprised of how many bank robbers, successful bank robbers that I've interviewed. And what's turned them away is they've walked into the bank
2: mm-hmm. and
0: someone was nice to them. And I yeah. said, hey, how's your day? You know, and they said, they, he's like, they turned right back around because they didn't want to do any like they don't want any interaction they just psh, tunnel vision give me the money I'm out of here they don't want like they don't want to have any feelings is yeah that, does that make sense
1: no it makes perfect sense because they're really there for the money they're not there for you you know right. Um, and that's why you know we have to look at, at each crime type differently mm-hmm. like bank robbery is very much different um from commercial robbery right you know bur- burglary is commercial burglary right, right, i don't right. just say commercial robbery that's fantastic but like you know like street robbery is very different you know like yeah. the way that that happens um you know people will it, it's one of those things where it, um you know, sometimes I'll talk to someone, and they're like, "Well, my house got robbed." I'm like, "Well, your house was burgled, mm-hmm. right?" But there's there's a reason because the, each crime type has unique opportunities, unique aspects of it. And if you understand how the crime happened and what makes that crime more likely to happen, and what's attractive about that crime, you can find ways to prevent it, right? Right. right. And what we know about you know burglary, there's there's a couple of great books. Um, where, you know, we there's a couple researchers, Wright um, and Decker. Um, it's called like burglars on the Job. I think if I can recall,, um, you know, all the books that I have in my head where it's an ethnography they're, they're essentially driving around with convicted burglars you know people that spend time in prison for burglary right mm-hmm. and so they're driving around like East St. Louis and they're sort of you know asking you know why you know what house would you break into why why, you know, why uh, would you do this and and you learn so much like I just remember reading that and it's just it makes so much sense you know it's um it makes, it takes the fear out of crime a little bit, like crime happening to you, because I think when people listen to the news and they're hearing stories about crime, the problem is, is the way that crime is reported, particularly if they're using like crime rates, it it sort of evens, it makes it sound like everybody has an equal chance of being a victim of X, Y, and Z. And that's not really the case, because remember crime concentrates in people, places, and things, Right. right? You know, um, not every car is going to be, you know, a target for auto theft or, you know, um, you know, cars that are stolen for joyriding. It's different uh, from cars that are stolen for parts, right? Mm-hmm. Like if you want a car for joyriding, you're going to get a nice car, right? And so where are you going to look for those cars? And, you know, yeah, yeah. if you want a car for parts, you're going to look for a Toyota, a Honda. You can get that, what, in a parking lot, anywhere, right. you know. Right. So it's different
0: yeah that makes a lot of sense of as far as like what you're saying like it's funny that you say that it makes it kind of takes like the scariness or whatever uh, or the worry about crime happening to you if you know about it because you know it's almost like if you don't put yourself in those situations which is kind of like a like so basic then it's probably not going to happen to you um but it's funny because like i'm always like like i'm like ready. You know what I mean? And it's just like, I don't know if this is because I know so much about the, I think it's like, when you know so much about something or the potential of like, wow, these things do exist. These types of people do exist. Like when I talk, when I think about killers, I'm like, damn, like there's some really messed up people out there. And I'm yeah. like, why haven't they come through my door? Why haven't I been, you know, you know, I don't know, it just, it, it, I think it could do both. I think like, it makes me more stressful because I know a lot about it, but I never looked at it like what you just said, is which makes a lot of sense of like, if you know what to look for, if you know what not to do, if you know the type of environment, if you know why the crime happened and not only just listen to the news report of it, trying to make it kind of like blown up, I think, then it can kind of really kind of help you kind of understand it more, or like kind of control like things. I don't know. I don't know.
1: Yeah, but this will scare you a little bit more. So you know, we're Great. talking about um, you know understanding you know crime concentrations and and your own personal risk. But then when we're thinking about personal violence, or you know, if you're you know thinking about serial killers, the odds are, I mean, serial killers want to blend in. They they Ugh, want to yeah. look like part of the environment. And so that's the scary thing. Offenders want to blend in. Mm-hmm. Offenders, I mean, it's not like TV where, you know, the um, you know, you can easily pick out the, you know, the criminal because right. they're wearing black or they yeah, look super sketchy. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah.
1: Right. And, and that's that's almost to the detriment of of people that are really, I'm sorry, this is my cat. Not um either. It's, you know, to the, to our detriment, because we're always looking for the anomaly when the reality is like the harm is, is right in front of us, but right. it looks like everything else. Right.
0: Right. And right. So. Which like, you know, and, and we'll segue into serial killers, um, <laughs> which that's how I found you. I, I saw you on, um, uh, invisible monsters, which is a documentary on A&E, which I thought every now and then a documentary about serial killers will come out every five or six years. That's just like, Whoa, it looks visually amazing. All the interviews are fantastic. But this one really got me because as much like, and I have nowhere near as much knowledge as like you and FBI and all these people about these, these characters. But like as much as the population knows about these, you know, the most infamous kind of like the golden age of serial killers, like I was blown away of like, I didn't know that all five, Gacy, Bundy, BTK, Ridgeway and Dahmer operated around like almost like we're killing in like the same years. I did not know that, which is fascinating to me. And then I just talked to Mark Saffrick, who's an FBI profiler. And I always wanted to ask like a profiler or a criminologist, like, Hey, why do we not see any serial killers nowadays? And then he answered he's like obviously like the times have changed like you know they didn't have any of the stuff we have now right right you know? so you still have serial killers but you don't have 20 yeah. year long serial you don't have successful serial killers i would say
1: but yeah you know and it's interesting because i mean they, they're in you know people think it's like an american phenomenon it's not i mean there's you know it, it's you know serial killers are um, as long as you're human uh you know you're going to have Um, some type of you know serial killing but it is um, it's 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 not just uh, for Americans but you know I think they they'll adapt offenders always adapt to technology and they always adapt to laws right this is why you know crime is sort of like a business and stopping crime is is always something it's never going to go out of business you know as long as we keep um, evolving with society, you know, as long as society keeps advancing, there's going to be new crime opportunities. Um, And then, you know, there's going to be this period where, um, you know, it's out of control. And then, you know, offenders will adapt. And, uh, you know, I didn't explain that very well. So what I meant was, um, essentially, you know, when there's something new, like the internet, right? And and this is like for example, I have um, I used to teach a victimology course. Students would write about cyberbullying, like bullying was a new phenomenon, and I was like, look, no, um, bullying is not a new phenomenon. It's been around since there's been one guy that's bigger than the other guy. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just you know since the beginning of time it's just the method has changed right? right and so the tools have changed so now there's cyber bullying right but um you know then legislation may catch up to you know ways to stop cyber bullying it may you know or it may not
0: yeah, i think it has in a way yeah
1: you know and then it'll move on to something else you know it's it's um even our, our like durable goods, you know, like cell phone theft and things like that. You know, we make new smaller devices, and some devices are more desirable than others. And so those will be the hot thing to steal. And then we'll find a way to make it better and more theft proof. And then offenders will find a way around that. Yes,
2: yes <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. like an
1: endless cycle.
0: It really is. You're and you brought up the internet too. I mean, inter- internet crimes in general are it used to be like if you were, you know, I talked to um um uh, a detective who was for for uh, crimes against children and he's like you know used to be used to stalk around and look at uh, parks now yeah. we're on the internet all day
1: <laughs> well and it's awful because you, when you think about it our criminal justice system unfortunately especially in the united states is really a brick and it's like bricks and mortar it's really it's jurisdictionally based mm-hmm. right And the Internet is not. And so it's a hot mess. You know, when you have a victim that's in Tennessee and you're in, you know, in Denver and, you know, you can commit fraud against them and you've got these different jurisdictions, our criminal justice system isn't set up to deal with the kind of, um, you know, the multi-jurisdictional way in which you know cybercrime happens or the cyberspace rather.
0: That's exactly what he said. He said when I I, he's in Maryland, he works for the Maryland State Police. He's like I have I have crimes happening in Kentucky that I have such a hard time getting to that person and really just like what you just said. Exactly.
1: Yeah. And it is it's my understanding is it's you know it is you know the FBI is going to have to you know work with You know, local police more and local police are working with each other more. Mm -hmm. They have fusion centers where, you know, you've got emergency responders that, you know, fire and police. And uh, there's more collaboration because we know we have to communicate now much more. Um, and it's still not enough because, you know, you have, you know, predators that are overseas using, you know, ISPs that, you know, this is why, I, you know, someone asked me, like, why is there, you know, why can't we do something about, you know, kitty porn or like child pornography? Right. It's like Well, you know... um it's out of our jurisdiction sometimes you know the stuff could be coming from belgium or you know i'm mm-hmm. not to pick on belgium but right. like russia you know, china, our china country. yeah yeah right we it, it's you know we can't just I mean there's international laws there's international courts it's right. it's complicated it's much more complicated even though the crime is uh essentially the same like here's you know some graphic images of you know a child it's you know technology is going to Make things more accessible, but it also makes things harder at the same time, which is interesting to think about.
0: It is interesting. It's kind of like almost backwards, really, because it's like you—you know, what's okay in another country, not okay, but not illegal in the way that it is here. You know, you can't stop that from going on the internet, and someone here finding that or seeing that. It's—it's almost impossible to regulate to that capacity, and then you got the dark web, which is like definitely not regulated, not
1: regulated at all. At but, all. <laughs> well, absolutely. And so, you know, it's going to take us a while to get there, but we'll, we'll find a way to make the internet a little bit uh, safer. You know, it's just going to be a minute. <laughs> right.
0: No, I, I agree. Yeah. And then like you said, once that happens, offenders will find a way to work around it. Um,
1: absolutely. Yeah. You know, and it's interesting that you were saying, you know, this, this is why I sort of, like these shows that look at you know multiple serial killers because they look at the social context and they took almost like a bird's eye view so invisible monsters i really liked because they um it wasn't just focusing on one particular serial killer but like the context of how they were operating Mm -hmm. you know once again in in time and space and and what it was like you know i am i talk a little bit in some classes about um, South Central in, in Los Angeles in the 80s. And, and I talk about how, you know, we have the Grim Reaper and, and maybe even Sam Little and, and Richard Ramirez operating in that area at, at the same, same time. time. You have, like, three serial killers potentially sort of in that, at, that area while you have, you know, just, you know, drug wars going on and you have such a heavy police presence and they were still be you know able to operate with very little
0: none, basically. Yeah. It, it's funny. Nobody I, wrote down, saw him. I wrote down Richard Ramirez here. Cause I wanted to talk to you about him. Um, that's so funny. It, you're that, that is what, cause when I talked to Mark, yeah, those guys were in the golden age, they were in the seventies, late even sixties. Some of them. When I talked to Dave Reichert, he was a King County sheriff. Yeah. He got to deal with Ted Bundy and and green and uh, Gary Ridgway. So, yeah. but, but like, both of them were like listen like you don't understand when we go do a case or we go to a crime scene like you're talking hundreds of boxes of like paper it's like impossible to even fathom and then for, for for him for for dave or even mark that these kind of investigators have to have the foresight to be like okay this rope that's around this girl's neck might be good to use on dna in 20 years and they keep this kind of stuff. And, you know, Dave's like, that's the rope that we used to get Ridgeway because it had the Kentworth paint flakes on the, the thing and it matched him and we were able to get him 20 years later. But yeah.
2: it's crazy
0: that they have this because they don't have they're not trained. They're like sergeants yeah. are like, hey, make sure you get that sperm cell or, you know, like, they don't tell them that stuff.
1: Well, no, I mean, you know, and, and it also depends on the jurisdiction too, because right. if you are, are looking at, you know, maybe like a smaller community where the police just don't, they don't have, you know, the space, uh, you know, they have, they're very limited in resources mm-hmm. and money and budgets They're Even if they wanted to, you know, if there's a, a crime of that magnitude that happens, they don't have the capacity, where are they going to store this information, who's going to, you know, where can they send it, you know, um, who can analyze it, Uh, how long is it going to take, and, you know, they know that technology will advance, but the reality is, is, you know, they have to work with what they have at that particular time, and it might, I mean, the variability of of police agencies across the country uh, would, would horrify people, you know, yeah, Um, I think, People think that they're, you know, they're all very modern, like, you know, on CSI, beautiful glass buildings and, you know, latest technology. And like, I've been in some police departments where they have like one working computer. Looks like a Commodore 64. Yeah,
0: Yeah, exactly. It's always like, well, why can't you do this? Why can't you do that? Like, you know, victim families and stuff like that. It's like they don't have the resources. They don't talk a lot, especially back then. They definitely didn't talk. That's why like a Bundy was so hard because Colorado, Utah, Washington, Florida, they're not talking to it other zodiac same thing like those jurisdictions aren't talking and then you, you know you, you have you have that piece of it but then like i think in every one of those cases you had at least one investigator that really that was like a dave reichardt that was like a yeah. Frank salerno for for richard ramirez like yeah. the people that were really like ahead of their time almost uh, I mean, Salerno just got done with Hillside Strangler. So he kind of already had like a, yeah, a, a so little you, practice.
2: A little. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you know, no, so absolutely. Is that a
0: thing? Do you think like like, like the investigators, because if you look at all those cases, there's definitely at least one or two investigators that just went above and beyond and made sure they preserved evidence and they really, I don't know. That, personal... you're,
1: you're right. I mean, there's there are a, a lot of those um, investigators around, they have the heart and they have the desire, but they are also working against the machine, a bureaucratic machine, right? And and that's the other thing. I think people.
0: I have a bunch of holsters from Bravo, and one of them is the inside the waistband holster. So this goes inside the waistband if you want to conceal carry. Also, swap it out here outside the waistband. So this outside the waistband is actually like hella thin and you can see kind of like how, how close to the body it can get. You could take this on the range. Um, y- you can probably conceal this and comfortably do it with, you know, a hoodie over top or whatever. If you want to open carry, um, it's up to you. They also send out mag pouches, right? So you can throw in an extra mag, you're going to the range. You don't have to unload and reload every single time. You got a little, uh little hollow point moment. They come in handy if you're on the range, like I said, or if you can still carry, and you're one of those people that are gotta have a lot of mags or whatever, um, you know, whatever, whatever your cup of tea is. They also send you these really cool pamphlets. They go into great details in these brochures of how to wear things properly, safety mechanisms, and all the features that all of these holsters have as well. So they really focus on educating their customers, which, when it comes to guns, safety and education are. Number one, they don't have any left-handed holsters except for the Glock 19. I'm a lefty, but the right-handed holsters are so dope and they're so comfortable and concealable that I don't really give a shit. Just learn how to shoot with my right hand. And right now they're doing a buy one, get one free, plus free shipping, the 30-day money-back guarantee and a lifetime warranty. On top of that, you, my friends, will get 10% off of any product, of any purchase, on their website by using explicit 10 use the code explicit 10 and you'll get 10% off your entire purchase from Bravo People
1: Well, don't understand that they, that, you know, to solve crimes, you have to work with an entire system too. Right. Um, and if that system's not supportive, um, that really can impact the solvability of a, a crime in, in a lot of ways, you know, so um, I'm trying to, like, I've got a couple instances in my head, but I also have to remember, like, I can't talk about those just yet so I have to wait, but, you know, um, but there are some police departments, you know, for instance, that, that really do care and want to solve certain crimes, but their, their budgets have been slashed. They, they don't have a department, um, that can really deal with cold cold cases, or, you right. know, they don't have. it's it's amazing to see um, sort of what's happened to our police departments over the past thirty to forty years, um, the way that some of them have been sort of systematically, reduced to, you know, um, really just focusing on drug crimes and, you know, crimes where we're talking about missing persons or rapes or, or homicides have just been reduced drastically. Wow. Um, it's Fortunate, the war on drugs. I mean, and that's the short answer. We, we lost our minds, what we did in the mid to late seventies and, uh, you know, the eighties with our, um, not just with our laws, but how we changed our criminal justice system. I mean, one of the reasons why we're so overburdened now, uh, excuse me, um, you know, why our prisons are overcrowded is because of the war on drugs, right? And what we did is we changed our police forces to hyper-focus on drug crimes. Um, And of course, that's what you're going to get. That's why you look in prisons and by and large, it's not necessarily the most dangerous of the most dangerous that are incarcerated. It's it's drugs, you know, and this is why you're listening to, you know, like I listen to a lot of podcasts, you know, or a lot of crime podcasts and and I'm I'm I always sort of. You know, I feel bad when the um, the podcasters are so frustrated because they're like, you know, this rapist only got like, you know, two years, um, you know, this person only got, you know, X amount of years, you know, and they killed someone, you know, mm-hmm. why is that? And somebody that is, uh, you know, a three striker with, you know, a drug crime will get life imprisonment. Yeah. And it's like, it's, it's, we've set our system up to hyper-focus on drug crimes. And we, uh, you know, and now we have to plea bargain all of our cases. This is why, you know, um, if you may have, you know, committed manslaughter or something like that, you'll know, plead out to, I mean, we overburdened our system and now we have to take all of these shortcuts. You right. know, it, it's it's a mess. And so um, that's going back to the example uh, in South Central, you know, in the 1980s, The amount of law enforcement that was occupying South Central was is unreal, and I still say South Central. You could say South L.A. Um, I mean, there were just police everywhere, and yet there were three serial killers.
0: Yeah, that's crazy. I didn't know that. I, I only thought it was uh, Ramirez, but yeah, I didn't even know the other two were operating at the same time. Well,
1: Yeah. Like, you know, the Grim Sleeper and then, um, you know, Sam Little, uh, some of his, you know, he, he was so transient. Um, you know, he did admit to committing, you know, some crimes in the South Central area around, oh, why have even been in the 90s? You know, I don't, you know, his time, it, you know. He is, you know, the Grim Sleeper and him, like, if you don't know either of those two, they're like, you know, two black serial killers, Mm -hmm. but, um, they are, they were prolific in, in their numbers of victims, just absolutely, um, and South Central was a, you know, like their playground,
2: right, but yeah.
1: it's, you know, I'm not, and I'm not blaming like law enforcement, but they were so hyper-focused on, you know, gangs mm-hmm. and which was a real threat and, and drugs and, and that kind of street crime that some of this stuff is, you know, it gets ignored. And, and we also have to remember, even though we're all watching these shows that, serial murder really does make up such a statistically small percentage like two percent or something like that of 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 homicides and homicides are statistically uh, you know um, rare events anyway so you know when a police officer gets a homicide they're not immediately looking for connections to other homicides they have to treat each case you know almost standalone until you know that's really yeah what they can do
0: right yeah that's funny you say that because I talked to a uh, Greg Kading he's the guy the homicide detective that investigated Biggie and Tupac's murder
1: yeah uh,
0: ten years after they were killed though but he I asked him I was like we were talking about Frank Salerno and Ramirez and I was like how did he get a the Hillside Strangler and then and then he rolled right into that he's like that's the call he got that day, you never yeah. know. You go to the crime scene. You don't know that this murder of this 80-year-old woman is going to end up being Richard Ramirez and this crazy circus of events. I didn't know it was like that. I thought they were like, hey, you're seasoned. This might be a little complicated. Go yeah. do this. He's like, no, it's just like luck of the draw. He was eating dinner one night, got the call, showed up. <laughs> and then it turned into Richard Ramirez. I was like, damn, man. Yeah, that's-
1: absolutely. Yeah, you know, and that's, and that's sort of the... Uh, you know amazing sort of aspect of yeah it's it really is you know the the luck of the draw because these these events um, the way that they happen and how they happen you know you you cannot predict
0: right it's so rare too like you just said is like that like when I like Salerno to get one like iconic serial killer kind of case and solve it in your career is like almost impossible absolutely two and one of them being ramirez i just was like holy crap man like the like thank god though because like like i was saying earlier it was like it takes a type of i think detective and investigator to really kind of like forward think granted like in the 80s and 90s they had a little bit more help with technology and stuff not like the 70s and stuff like that but i just feel like it was like the luck of the draw but like if that was somebody else maybe they maybe they wouldn't have caught him even though he got caught by the the people.
1: <laughs> right. Well, you know, it, you know, it, or it would have looked different or maybe it would right. have been called later or something like that. But the way that these things happen, you know, it's, um, you're right. It really is, uh, you know, it can be dependent on, you know, who's working that day and, you know, who gets the call. Um, do they have officers that are going to be able to follow up with, with particular leads, um, you know, it, there's so many little components to these crimes. And a lot of shows, sort of like Invisible Monsters, really package it all together so that it makes sense. But it's not like that when, when that's happening to them. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure you've spoken to these individuals. It's, you know, it's almost like looking at um, a jar full of marbles, sort of scattered across the floor yeah
0: yeah
3: you know? exactly and trying right. to
1: make sense out of that that yep. pattern you know yep.
0: yeah 100 um, right yeah and, and i'm glad like you brought up them invisible monsters was the first documentary that i've seen in t- with true crime that really kind of like like you said it was like a thirty thousand foot look down on everything and the environment and the social interaction and and they explain like the technology and stuff like it's not so much like, like the individual, like, okay, we all know Jeffrey Dahmer ate people and kept a head or whatever. And we all know those things, right. That, that's been played out. That's fine. Right. But I learned so much more about like the why and the how and the, how they didn't get caught and why they weren't, why they were so prolific in their era based off that documentary. Cause it did such a good job of like, like talking to people like you, you had such a, that's why I was like, so blown away. Like you, your husband, you said was on there, a couple other standouts that I was like, damn, like these, I've never heard it explained in this way, basically. is Yeah. How I feel.
1: yeah. and And it's, it's funny when you start, when you think about sort of like crime trends or something like serial murder or certain events, it always sort of helps sort of take a step back and look at what's happening in you know the background socially, you know, because when we're looking at the 1970s and the 1980s, um, you know, even the 1960s, it really was this transition in time where, where, you know, women were, you know, going to college more, they were away from their homes more, they there was more freedom. And with that came this you know sort of social change where Mm -hmm. people were you know willing to you know hitchhike and and it was just a different you know yeah it was a different era but there are all of these opportunities right and so for civil killers looking for those opportunities they were absolutely ubiquitous because you know it was very common to hitchhike i i mean i remember you know, growing up, I think my mom and I would pick up a hitchhiker, you know, right. every now and then not, not regularly, but right. I mean, you it know, it wasn't out
0: of the ordinary. That's Yeah. Sure.
1: Yeah. It was, it's funny because it's, um, you know, I, I grew up in the '70s and '80s, and and I, you know, I would remember people hitchhiking. You, I, you would see them on the side of the road. Right. And now it's something that I, you know, if I see that on the side of the road, I'm like, Jesus. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah I know. Yeah, yeah. you see,
0: it, it's so funny because when you see it now, when you see certain stuff like that, and I think it's the education because of those serial killers and and what what we all have learned, uh, you know, socially um, and you know, criminally too. But it's just like you know, the reason why they were so successful is because I think for the most part, a, the law enforcement had a terrible time of collecting it. They weren't working with jurisdictions, but socially, you know, like everything you just said is exactly why they were so successful because it was, it wasn't normal for kids to just, you know, run away for a couple of days or a week, whatever. And then by that time, the, you know, the case is like, you know, you know, we don't, we didn't know the first 48 was so crucial back then.
1: Right, right, you know, right. So. You know and, and I think that it's, especially the way that sort of, you know, especially for young men, um, when I think about, you know, I think about like uh, John Wayne Gacy or something and the, and the kids that, you know, he would lure, you know, it, it's not, it wouldn't be unusual in the 70s for someone to go look for a job in that way, you know, talk to a guy about a job or, you know, the job, you know, I, I'm going to go, you um, over two towns and, you know, I'll be back in a couple of days. I'm Mm -hmm. going to work on this job here and there. Like jobs were different. How you got jobs were different. You know, um, you know, it's things have definitely um, changed, but what hasn't changed and what I found fascinating, even when I watched it's like, I, I know this from, Uh, research point of view that you're more likely to be, you know, a victim of personal violence. It's by somebody that you know Mm -hmm. and when they say it's someone that you know it doesn't have to be necessarily a friend but it could be like an acquaintance a neighbor Mm -hmm. somebody you know uh in your church or someone in your sports league or something Mm -hmm. like that you know it's it's someone that you know you're more likely to be victimized by uh, someone that you know versus the stranger danger that you were raised upon right Right. now those do happen of course but but we're so busy looking at the stranger we're not looking at the person next Mm -hmm. to us and you know looking at if you look at when they had all of those you know all five faces sort of lined up all of those men just blended in
2: yeah
1: everyone looked like those guys i had a hard time um i i kept confusing and it's funny because i know what these guys look like but you know the Green River Killer, uh, Ridgeway. Yeah, he yeah. looks like half of the police force. But, you yeah, know, he literally
0: with the stash. He literally looks like a cop. I
1: mean, you couldn't tell the difference. And yeah. so of course they they're they're going to have like horse blinders on because they can't see that thing that looks like them. Yes, you know, and that's and that's part of the. um, you know, and they're able to do that. And BTK, they all, it's like that look, they just blend, they're like middle-aged white dudes that people yep. will just walk past.
0: Yeah, in the community, they're great people. They're, yeah, oh hundred, you would, oh, that guy, no way, that guy would yeah. kill a fly. he's a freaking, you know, yeah.
1: And meanwhile, you're crossing the street because there's like a long haired hippie, or, you know, there's like, you know, uh, a black person or something yep. like that, yep. right? Because that's what society's told you is dangerous.
0: Exactly. Yeah. It's that's crazy. That is, man, I love talking about this shit. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> so, okay. Let me, I got a couple more questions. Sure. Um, so, I, what's his name? I just talked to you. Um, he, he cleared it up. Uh, Mark cleared it up, but I always, I was raised on, you know, all the programs I watched about serial killers was they always talked about what they had in common and it was always, they wet the bed, they had terrible relationship with their mother. You know, they were deprived in that way. Mainly they killed animals. Um, But Mark was like, yeah, but that's like, that's been debunked. He's like, that's the
1: the homicidal triad. Triad is what he said. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah,
0: I didn't know that until today. I was today old when I didn't, when I found that out, I thought that was still a thing. So can you explain a little bit, if you know about that kind of stuff?
2: Yeah.
1: You know, I mean, I mean, again, and so I'm not, you know, I'm not a psychologist, but what, what I can tell you, and this is just, it's purely backed by research, but, but also if you look, um, if people are trying to look for um, the red serial killer flag in yes. in someone's background, the problem is, is they're not going to find it, you know, because if you're looking at, um, you know, is it uh, having a domineering mother? Is it having, uh, is it being neglected? The reality is, if you look in our prison systems now, everybody is neglected. Everybody comes from an abuse background, but not everybody is killing people in in a particular manner right they're not committing serial homicide right. um it's it is this confluence of you know it, <laughs> and i was just talking about this to someone it really is it's like you can have a domineering mo- mother but the way that you respond is important so you know it's this rage and this frustration and this anger like pay attention to those more than like um you know were they abused as a child i'm not saying don't pay attention you know if you're not abused as you know right right and suffer abuse but so many people suffer abuse growing up that's and for whatever reason so why don't they kill right?
0: Yeah, that's a good question.
1: And, well, that is, I mean, that's a question that, you know, there's a line of criminology that ask that, you know, well, why aren't you committing crime, you know, giving your makeup, you know, because right. there is this, um, this social, um, psychological, biological soup that has to have all of the right ingredients at the right time, mm. you know, um, to really, explain someone's sort of, you know, origin story. Right. Right. You know, so, You know, for example, if you're looking at what went wrong in this person's life, it might be, you know, when they're going through puberty, they had uh, an experience where, you know, their wires got crossed. And so now, you know, violence and sex get, you know, Mm -hmm. get crossed and and that sort of, you know, propelled them like that would be a red flag. But, you know, when we're looking at, you know, home life and background and interest in school or if they were super smart, there's just it, there's so much variability that you know it's unsatisfying
0: it's almost impossible to, to he, he mark basically said he's like it's the same thing with school shooters he's like just because this person's picked on has xyz yes. access way doesn't mean they're a potential school shooter it's like it's not like a he said the triad's like not like a checklist like it used to kind of be looked at as like a checklist like okay well you killed animals you had a deprived uh yeah, or, yeah. mother or whatever it's like oh this person's gonna be a serial killer but you're right it's like it has to be like this perfect kind of like storm right? for it to work out that way.
1: Yeah. Situational uh, factors that we can't calculate. Right. So you have to get in a fight with your significant other in this very specific way and they have to respond and push your buttons in a very specific way. And then, then you react, and, you mm. know, these things you can't calculate. But um, y- yeah, you know, one thing that does predict you know, mass shootings is actually domestic violence, like yeah. their domestic violence history and wow. it's not school shootings. But like when you said that, it reminded me of like mass shootings. It's this thing of like, you know, um, when you look at the characteristics, that's the one thing that they seem to all have in common, this hmm. issue of, you know, domestic violence uh, in some way, shape or form.
0: Interesting. Like, you're talking about, like, not a school shooter, but, like, a mass shooter, like a nightclub or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: Or, you know, even, you know, um, the guy in Charlottesville that, you know, he drove his car into, this was, like, Charlottesville a few years ago. Yeah, on campus. Like, even he had, like, issues with his mother, you know, living at home, so there's, like, domestic issues there. It's, like, like, you know, those are uh, important to look at, too, but, you know, for society, we don't you know, it's almost like we look at like violence against, you know, women or, or domestic partners, and it can be men too, right? right. Um, we don't really look at domestic violence in the way that we probably should. How should we? Um, definitely as a precursor to more violence. <laughs> say, <laughs> yeah, you know, that's
0: probably true. Yeah. It's, you right. know,
1: definitely more seriously than, than we do. But it's, yeah, it, it's really interesting because it, it's such a phenomenon, serial killing, that we just want to pick it apart, and we really want to um, understand why someone becomes that way, and mm-hmm. and it just the you know, the more I learn about you know like brain structures, like I said, like my husband does, you know, he looks at you know like the brain of these individuals or you know neuroscience, and uh, it's. It, it's very unsatisfying because it's so fractured it's so idiosyncratic it's right. idiosyncratic rather um if i can say that correctly you know it's each individual serial killer you really have to to look you know but but violence is something that um you know a history of violence i i would say is a good indicator just in general and how they respond to frustration and how they respond when they're, they're angry. You know, those are things that, that are always red flags for me, you know, in, in general, but.
0: Well, I have a question. You always see, especially those five serial killers that we're talking about, every one of them basically were saying how, I mean, they're all narcissists for sure, but they always said like, you know, they talked about like Ridgeway, especially, he, he said, you know, I couldn't stop it. I had like the urge BTK as well. BTK literally caught himself by believing the police officers about the stupid I floppy. I
1: love bitch. that story. I just, I is love that it. So he could I still just... be
0: roaming around in Wichita right now.
1: Right. But, right.
0: But he, he is such a narcissist, like so smart, but yet so dumb to believe of course the police are going to tell you they can't track it. Like, come on. But yeah. my, my question is, what is that? Because a lot of serial killers say like I had the urge or I had, I couldn't stop it or whatever. What, do you know what that is? Or if that's just BS that they're saying?
1: I mean, it could, it could be BS, but you know, it could be, you know, it's these, this uncontrollable urge that, you know, I've read about it. So it's almost like a a drug addiction almost, Mm. you know, like you or a cigarette, if you've ever smoked, you know, that you, you can't, You want to quit, but you can't because it's just, you know, all of the things um, about it, uh, you you just, you become addicted. You have flooded your brain with, you know, all the dopamine, like that's that's when you are most, all of your senses are heightened, you Mm. know. Um, and that's when you feel alive. Cause it, you know, when you look at those guys that, you know, all those five guys, for the most part, they're so mundane,
0: So
3: right? Mundane. They're so, so boring. They,
1: they look like wallpaper. They really do. Yeah, they literally go They've like, got these like yeah. sub, even, you know, even Ted Bundy, I mean, like just, I mean, he was, uh, his life would have just been beyond boring had it not been, you know, for his, um, his desires. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. you know they have to have it's almost like they have to overcompensate for that uh, mundaneness in their life you know that's the excitement once they get hooked on excitement it's like fame or something like that it's it's addictive
2: right that Um, makes sense yeah um, i mean,
1: mean you know btk called it what vector x
0: vector x yeah yep
1: you know whatever you want to call it or however you want to package it it's it's you know an uncontrolled desire right and unfortunately it is for the macabre. I mean, all of us are we're interested in true crime, we're interested in serial killers because um it's it's essentially that car accident we can't look away mm-hmm. from. Right. And you know, for them, they want to be in that accident. They want, you know, yeah. they want to be the accident. Right, right. Um, because it's that compulsion is so much more intimate and so much more, it's closer to right.
0: them. Yeah, that makes yeah. a lot of sense. And I I think like like a Bundy, like you said, it, I, I didn't think of it until you said it but like their lives are they were all very very boring mundane and then Bundy was also but then like once he kind of got the fame he got I think like milked it and really kind of like ran with yeah, it very absolutely. like outspoken out of nowhere and like he wasn't really like that in real life yeah
1: he wouldn't have I mean you know and the thing is is like it's um his career track, you know, he wasn't going to be able to keep you know, he was going to college for law, maybe, you mm-hmm. know, maybe he would have been a lawyer, but by and large, you know, he would have just slipped into regular old bland society, just like everybody right. else,
2: right, right, you know, and
1: so this is one of those things that sort of keeps them alive. And they think that they're above the fray, because they can do this this thing that many of us can and makes it unique and special but not really no
0: i do not want to be known for that um yeah so okay let's talk about real quick my this is kind of sound weird not, not my favorite but my the one that really kind of i had the heart like i was just blown away was was we already talked about i'm richard ramirez so every fbi person i talked to every detective i talked to every everybody in that space they, they always say okay well you know, especially the profilers are like, well, MO, behavior, all those things. Like if Bundy and G- all those people were around nowadays, they would have been caught within months more than likely just because of all what we know. Now Ramirez, on the other hand... He did not have an MO. He did he killed at random, like you, like we're saying, like mm-hmm. that that stranger danger. He didn't know any yeah. of his victims, uh, for the most part. You know, he different weapons, different times, different demographics. Extremely wow. difficult to track. So, like,
1: absolutely.
0: What is that? <laughs>
1: Well, you know, and and for that, it's like, there's, there was something wrong with his brain. That's like the short answer, you know, and then if you sort of mix that with drugs and, you know, he was just such a, I mean, I'm always, when I read stories about him and his like personal hygiene, his drug habits and, um, you know, it, it was so much easier to be a a drifter too, Mm
3: -hmm.
1: um, and to fly under the radar, you know and to not to exist without money and having a job. And he was able to do that. Like you just couldn't do that today. No, right. 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 You would
0: would stick out like a sore thumb.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Right. You know? And so, but with him, I mean, that is, there was something going on, you know, with his brain and then that, you know, interaction with drugs and the psych, psychosis and mental health issues. I think, I mean, he clearly had mental health issues. I mean, you know, he's his age range, you know, from like children to elderly. As you were saying, he didn't have a type, or Mm -hmm. you know, it really it that is something that you really have to look more like physiology. Look at his physiology. Look at look at his biology and his makeup. Like just you know, as as they say. I always think if they say in the country, like, something ain't right with him. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. He's something ain't right with that something boy. wrong with him.
3: Yeah,
1: Right, yeah. something ain't right with that boy. Yeah. It's, you know, mental health issues, you know, right. for sure. And that's, that's the nice way to say it now, you know, that right, there's right. clearly something beyond um, just a, uh, you know, revenge or anger or you know, just it's how he lived his whole life. Right. right.
0: Yeah. His life was very much like the chaotic and and, and, yeah,
1: yeah. and and his killings are a reflection of that. You Mm -hmm. know, just very chaotic, very um, sort of you know who who he happens upon again. But they have to have that opportunity presented to them, and I think that that is, I think that's the part that probably scares people the most because it is you know you can't have a crime without opportunity. You just can't, um, you know, now some people can create their own opportunities and, you know, um, you know, like Ted Bundy, right. He can create the opportunity where he wears, you know, uh, he, cast. he plays, a, you know, the role of a big, you know, an injured person. Can you help me? Then he's creating that opportunity, you know, right. um, but, you know, Ridgway Rich,
0: other... in a way too, because of yeah. institution. So he put himself Absolutely. in that situation
1: you know exactly where to go you know where the strolls are Mm -hmm. you're a regular um you and you also know how society is going to view those victims too Mm, right right, right, especially when you when we're talking about you know sex workers now and um sometimes those killers tend to those are the ones that bother me the most because they they know um that they can get away with those crimes more because of the types of victims that they choose and that Mm -hmm. no one's going to investigate somebody with a history of drugs. And, you know, if they're a sex worker, if they're, they're living out in the street, nobody cares about them. Um, And so there's a disposability in that, in that victim um, that they really prey upon. Right. Yeah. hundred percent. Super insidious. So. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's, that's like that. that, You're right. It's, it's, they, 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 Oh, well, I know they're not going to have the, spend the resources on this sex worker that they're just going to chalk up to domestic violence or their pimp or whatever right not not the green river killer
1: <laughs> right yeah exactly you know yeah. it's just uh yeah it, it, absolutely and that's and you know again going back to if i'm thinking about south central and like the you know the the 1980s and you again you have um you know, Richard Ramirez and you have, you know, the grim sleeper, you know, what, what you have, or, you know, they, they were, their victims weren't necessarily sex workers, but they might have had, you know, drug problem Mm -hmm. or something like that. And, and so, yeah, there were people that were ODing from drugs, but These women had strangulation marks on them, you know, or they were found, you know, without their clothes on. And I mean, you know, you can't just chop everything up to drugs and call it a day. You know, that's not gang involved, you you
0: know. And that kind of goes back to your point of like the war on drugs, like how that kind of like just made law enforcement in general have tunnel vision and they're not looking at, you know, the grim sleeper of like, oh, yeah, this person, the strangulation marks, eh. They also OD'd maybe on heroin.
1: Right, but, right. Know. You know, maybe yeah. it was a gang initiation. I don't know. Right. You know exactly. So no. Yeah.
0: It's They're not really taking that extra step. And that's where I think my point earlier of like the investigators that like really stepped it up kind of were like, wait a minute. Yeah. That, that looks like this. And this is Richard Ramirez or the Grim Sleeper. Let's put these together and and kind of like really figure it out but okay so then what do you I know sorry about that you're fine what do you think um so can you set would you separate like Richard Ramirez with like the five and the from like the golden age because of the you know they also have something mentally wrong with them too I would say
1: yeah but they but they were also able to have a veil of at least a little bit of normalcy they could uh, they could carry on you know um they could have a domestic life like richard ramirez couldn't hold, have a domestic life true, pride, yeah. right he's not coming home you know to uh, a roommate like hey how was your day i you right. know that that was you know he i i couldn't i wouldn't lump them in i wouldn't lump him in with them just because they they're they're normalcy was their shield and Mm. he was not normal you know what I mean he's that anomaly where it's like he does look like the deranged you know crazy person that's true Um, yeah and for them they wanted to you know if we're thinking about Gacy and we're thinking about you know Dahmer even if you just want to look like blah uh, you know and you you know you may have um, a a job you know Dahmer didn't have like a prestigious job but at least he had a job and an apartment you know uh, Richard was beyond even really having those things Right. You know? Yeah, that's
0: true. Yeah, that that actually make that makes total sense because he he was like a, an actual like just deranged person mentally. Yeah, living in hotels you know, living in the, Cecil. yeah.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Just, you know, just it, yeah, low I mean just opportunity where he could sleep or where mm-hmm. he could crash and you know um and so that I mean and unfortunately, you know, what happens is you, you just see one case like that. And then that's what sort of sticks to you. And unfortunately, you know, uh, he sort of happened right when satanic panic hit. And, yeah. you know.
0: Talk <laughs> it up to that. And, and his murders were very chaotic and disturbing and, and satanic in, in nature yeah. in, in a lot of ways. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, no method or magnet. Right, right. You, um, this is kind of a weird question.
1: Um, I'm used to weird questions. Yeah,
0: so. so okay. So you're you're a professor. You're a teacher. You 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 have a lot of students. Do you ever like? It's is that Outlook?
1: Yeah, I'm gonna close oh, it. God. I'm so no, sorry. No, I didn't realize I had it on until that I heard sound that sound.
0: Haunts me. That the other uh, yeah. email sound. I know for oh, um, I stuff.
1: I hate it, and I, I usually turn that off. I it can't. Kills believe me.
0: Like, it's like uh i'm going yeah into, like, no i'm not shape. looking at it <laughs> yeah. um do you ever think of like like when you're kind of looking into your audience of your students do you ever think do you ever look like who in here would be a serial killer or like tendencies or whatever do you ever like think of that stuff
1: no <laughs> not <laughs> that you mean i think you know in in the years of teaching i haven't really been concerned uh except for like, there was just a couple students, you know, years ago that I would just be concerned with, like mm-hmm. just the way that, you know, what they wrote in their papers, how they presented themselves, uh, you know, that's, they're few and far between. So normally I would never even look at my students, um, in, in that regard. Um, but I do think the one thing I do look at is sort of like victimization risk, which is bad. And I hate doing that because I'm like, look, uh, you know, um, especially on a college campus it's you know if you have a room full of women there the likelihood of one of them being a, a victim of sexual assault is just it's it it's gonna happen you right. know and, and when you're in a room full of women it's like one in four of them you know will be a victim of sexual assault at some point in their time. And so like sometimes when I'm in a crowd, you know, I'm looking at at that, like just sort of those risk factors, mm-hmm. like, oh geez, there's a lot of damage here, you know. Right. Yeah, but, there's a lot of potential. Um, yeah. Yeah, potential. But I don't, you know, I I don't it, but I <laughs> I say that I don't look at my students in that way. And like when I'm teaching, I don't. But when I'm traveling, like in my daily life, I I I'm like the worst person to travel with because I'm like picking out like crime opportunities left and right. I'm like, look, that person's counting their money out there. Like that's a risk over there. That's wow. you know, it's <laughs> like this person like you know is not even paying attention to where they're going. Right, <laughs> right. Yeah, you'd you know? be a perfect
0: defender then because you know what to look for
2: then, I guess. Yeah, and yeah, like you picking know, picking it like- apart.
1: Look, this person is walking with a map. They're asking to be, yeah, you know, uh, mugged. It's just
2: right, right. Things
1: like that. So yeah.
0: that, that makes wow. sense. I mean, it's kind of hard to. It's kind of like, for example, for for me, I'm like a filmmaker, right? So, uh, I mean, I don't do film anymore like I used to. But it's like I can, I never, I can never watch. I'm the worst person to watch a movie with. Like my fiance, right, right. she's like. I don't care how they shot this. Stop ruining it for me. Like you're taking me out of this experience. Like, yeah, yeah, but it's like that's why they, th-, you know, same thing for you. You're like picking these things out, and your person you're traveling with, like, okay, great. Like,
2: well,
1: you, you know how? Well, you see, it's my husband, and he's like, you know, he's <laughs> by the same way. Yeah, so it's like my <laughs> person's but no, that you know, what's really, um, yeah, we're great. We're really great uh, together, but it's funny that you say that because, um, when we're watching, you know, movies, like obviously like, you know, when there's a show and and someone's like a psychologist and they're, they're doing things, you know, he'll look at that. But, um, like the movie that I can never, like, I have only seen the first one and it's the purge. And, and I hate those movies on the, on their premise alone, Mm -hmm. right. Because, Because I'm like, what they're saying is that people can, you know, bust out their day planner and schedule crime like that's not how it it works. works. And I always use that as an example in class. That's a great example you know it's you know i'm not gonna i'm gonna you know control my rage uh, uh until october 31st you know and it's right. just we can't do that none of us can do that you right. know and so with crime i just think it's it's even more ridiculous like that's not a solution no <laughs> so, yeah it's like
0: get it all out get it out it's like oh yeah
1: you know that's
0: uh, that's interesting you say that because i never thought of it like because i only watched that first movie too because i thought it was so stupid but like I was like, damn, that's actually, is that a good idea? Maybe because there's so much pent up, but you're right. Like it's all crime. Like some people, I think I've heard detectives say like, oh, this is a crime of opportunity. Every single crime is an opportunity, is a crime yeah. of opportunity, right?
1: Yeah, you know, um, you know, and it's also, you know, when we're thinking of homicide too, we have to realize that the majority, like the work a day homicide that goes uh, you know that the criminal justice system deals with isn't the sexy serial killer sort of planned stuff. It's it's often like a bar fight that gets out of hand, or you know um, you, you're you know we've had one too many drinks, or you punch the person a little too hard. You know the difference between um, a felonious assault and manslaughter is just you know what happens with with the person. And so it's to say that there's calculation to the extent where people are so sophisticated that they're planning out these these crimes, you know, that's not always the case. I mean, we all are working with our, our limited, um, you know, what they call bounded rationality is the information that we have at the time to make decisions. And sometimes, you know, if you talk to killers in jail, like the, these were the options at the time,
3: you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this, is, right.
1: this is the reality that I was living at the time when I committed this crime, it's, right. you know. Um, those were the tools that I had available to me, you know, anger, rage, uh, you know.
0: Well, even, even the, the five that we've talked about, like they even say like uh, Ridgeway, the girl that survived Ridgeway, he's like, some of them are like, I didn't even want to kill that person in that time. But I, I did because of the situation that happened. The opportunity was there. It wasn't like I went out to do it in this way, shape or form. It just happened that way.
1: Yeah, you know, and then something happened at that particular place in time, you know, that uh, the, that situational thing that's right in front of you that comes together, you know, all of these elements come together perfectly. Right. Um, and that opportunity is suddenly there that you right. just didn't see it and you take it. Right. Right. Um you know, maybe it's been a thought in your mind and you played it out. I'm sorry, it's it's
2: fight club. Fight
1: club. <laughs> it's kitty fight club. <laughs> sorry, but
0: that's awesome. Love it. Um
1: but yeah, it's this, you know, it's that that immediate situational factor right. um, that that determines what you're going to do next. Even if you think of like, say, you know, Ted Bundy, you know, remember how he had this typology of, you know, uh, white women with blonde, you know, or brown hair parted in the middle. And, you know, the origins of that can be traced to his his girlfriend girlfriend that rebuffed him, you know, um, in college, or, you know, what if she would have been a redhead? Or what if she would have been something else? You know, it's, it's that you couldn't have predicted that.
0: So you're saying that, cause I, I know that, that theory very well. So that's not, you don't think is as true as what they kind of rub it. Cause it is, it's a sexy thing about his case. It's like, Oh, his girlfriend looks that way. He treated her a certain way. He got rebuffed by her. And it's like, you're right. If she was a redhead, would there be more redheads that were dead?
1: My, it, it, you know, it, it might be. And that's the thing, you know, we won't know because, you know, reality has played out differently. You know, mm-hmm. it really is the, you know, that but also that's what a lot of women look like in the 70s
0: right right the part of hair the yeah. other
1: thing yeah, exactly, you know right, right,
0: right. so when we're
1: saying typology we're like you know just like today if there's a serial murder and all the women looked like kim kardashian you know it's right. like, because that's what women look that's like true. Right now, that's true that's true yeah you know yeah.
0: That's exactly. So it's right.
1: like that long hair, big eyebrows, you yep. know, high cheekbones or whatever. Yep. Yep. You know, that's what's happening right now. And well, maybe not right now. I can't, I can't. I don't know what's happening. You're
0: not on Facebook, so you wouldn't know what's going no, on. No. no, no, no. No, but you're right. It's kind of like it's it's the the the, the, the social of it is kind of like the reflection of like the crimes why you know, all those things that we're talking about like you're right like every like cause it's funny because when you give that when you have the whole all the shots of all the girls that Bundy killed yeah they all look similar but to your point almost every not almost everybody but a lot of women look just like that
1: yeah that was the look and that then was. and then the guys you know looking at the guys they yeah. look they say they all look like cops back then. Yeah. yeah yeah
0: exactly yeah yeah and it's funny because it's like i talked to mark about this too about like the because everyone, not everyone, but at least in the United States, it's like, who's a serial killer? There's very rare, uh, I don't even, I can't even name any, uh, except for Ramirez, like any uh, people of color that were serial killers that are as prolific as the five that, you know, we've been talking about. And it's like, is that because like, that's like how the media portrayed it? And it was just kind of like, because, you know, when you're joking around as a kid, it's like, you know, with the, you know, Crazy, like white kid or whatever, like, oh, that's going to be a serial killer. It's like, but, but, like you said in the very beginning, and Mark said the same thing every culture, if there's humans, there's going to be serial killers. It doesn't matter what color.
1: Right, right. And, and there are, there are black serial killers. I mean, you know, Sam Little is still one of those ones. I mean, he's, he's alive now. He's, he was prolific. This, I, his numbers, I think, might be. Uh, I'm going to be wrong, and I know that that there's probably somebody that would listen to this that's going to know the exact number of his victims, but, I mean, he was crisscrossing the United States for wow. a good 20 years, um, and he still, you know, you know, he was a Black guy, but he also blended into his environments. He killed white women, he killed mostly mm. Black women, uh, you know. Um, depending on where he was you know Tennessee uh, Florida um, you know California because he always went to the places where he where nobody would bet an eye at him like he didn't you know he just looked like a regular um, you know middle-aged black dude, you know, right. he didn't look like a gangbanger, he didn't look like uh, you know, and in, in, in which worked to his benefit in the 80s because everybody's looking for, you know, like the you know gangsters, everybody's looking for somebody that looks different. He just looked like a regular old Normal you know, black dude.
0: Right. 93. Yeah. It's he said he's he's confessed to 93.
1: It's it's um, a lot, yeah. And you know, but a lot of his Damn. victims again, um, They weren't all sex workers. They weren't all, um, you know. I mean, because it's a crime of opportunity. He's going to get the accidental nursing student. He's going to get the accidental housewife. You know, he's going to get. You know, it's going to be mixed in uh, with you know the people that you know he's targeting.
0: Right. What he got? It says that he he was. It says uh, active. Uh, span of crimes from 1970 to 2005 yeah. is confirmed yeah. but to but 1960 to 2012 possible holy shit
1: yeah it, i've it, never
0: it, heard of this person
1: oh my god there's there's a few documentaries on him but you and when you look at him you, i mean like he just he just looks like <laughs> oh, oh yeah
0: you um, know. uncle or grandpa
1: yeah you just see you you wow. he, again so even the stereotype of like you know it doesn't matter your ethnicity you you're going to blend in because that's how you lure your prey it, it's almost like you know nature replicates that too because you, you know like you're being a trapper, like you know yep, there's yep. animals that that look like their environment so that they can catch their prey that is exactly what we do Wow,
0: that's crazy. I never,
1: yeah. Uh, he
0: he does blend in. He looks just like a cool grandpa. You would not older, think,
1: but. yeah. You wouldn't, I'm sorry. I,
0: no, you're good. The, begin like, with the Feed cat, me. No, it's yeah. It's literally um, over your shoulder. It's perfect. They're fighting. You have, you have like a <laughs> secret one stalking the
1: other, actually. Yeah. <laughs> <Do you laughs> like, look at that.
0: This is great. No, this is, Straight this off. is this is crazy. Um, uh, I'll let you, we've been talking for a while. I'll let you go. Um, I just have a couple more questions. Um, why not the FBI? Why not join the FBI?
1: Oh, geez. Well, you know, for me, I mean, look, um, I, the reality is, is I, this is, you know, I got into the, the PhD game a little bit later in life. I had different iterations of, of different lifetimes before. Okay. Um, when I was an undergrad, I was a psychology major. Um, I, I actually wanted to be a forensic photographer, believe it or not. Like, you know, in high school, I had my own dark room. I was really into photography, cool. um, you know, and that's what I wanted to do. I um, never thought about, you know, Joining the FBI mainly because I had these other interests, you know, ancillary sort of jobs. You know, I wanted to be the principal photographer, then I wanted to get in psychology. Um, I had a special agent come to one of our classes. I think, you know, when I was in undergrad years ago. Um, And sort of talk about the job and and the mechanics of the job or something that I I was like, no, that's not for me. And, you know, I, to anyone else, you know, go for it. But I am one, you know, uh, I don't really, you don't want to shoot anyone. That's really not. That's not my. You know. Yeah, most people uh, don't. But but most of the FBI, you know, you're investigating, right? Yeah. yeah, Um. You know, and so, but at that time, you know, when I was young, I just, um, I didn't want to, um, be, I don't know, I didn't want to be an agent that could be placed in like Omaha, Nebraska. You know, I wanted to be able to go where I wanted to go. Right. And you really don't really have that um, sort of freedom when you, um start out with, with the FBI. It's it's not like the people that are so, you know, like Mary, I think it's like Mary O'Toole and, and people that have worked for the FBI's profilers are doing other really interesting things. They had a lifetime of being like, you know, a cop in another city for a yes. while. And, yes. you know, then they had, you know, um, positions in uh, you, St. Louis for five years before they got to, you know, the thing that made them famous. So, Um, and it's not to say that, you know, I would never want to live in Omaha, Nebraska. It's just, I, I had a different sort of vision for my life and I ended up doing a bunch of taking a bunch of left turns, right. You know, working in the finance industry and then doing a bunch of other things. And all of that has sort of, um, gelled together to make me the person that I am now, but, I, I'm not good with, I'm also not a joiner.
3: <laughs> yeah. like, I don't yeah. like,
1: I don't like, uh, you know, um, geez.
0: Like authority too, I, I feel like.
1: Yeah. Is- yeah. I, I'm not, I'm, I'm not. One of the things I've learned throughout my life is that I'm not good at an, a nine to five job. Um, I don't do well in an office environment and um, you know, and it's only through having those jobs and realizing, you know, what, what you're good at, you know, mm-hmm. I'm good at puzzles and thinking about things and, and, and problem solving but not uh office work and i think that that was something that was sort of like a a, a turnoff for me because you know the person that came to speak to the class sort of left an impression that it really was less sexy and i think that that was their job because they want to weed people out oh yeah um yeah
0: it is less sexy although yeah any of this i was gonna i was gonna i wanted to be a homicide detective forever and i went to school for criminal justice for a while and yeah. then I, I joined a police academy and i'm like okay i hate authority um yeah
1: that's gonna be bad I,
0: it's not gonna work for me and then i gotta be a beat cop for probably 10 years because the area i was looking at was like the cops there's like two homicide detectives barely any murders they're not going anywhere for like thirty. right years. and
1: you're not going to get all those skills that you no. need and, that, and that's exactly it. it's like you sort of look at the reality of the the job it's like you know um uh the the civil service exam sort of has it sort of set up to where you know you really have to make these very planned moves you know you have to know in, in advance yes, and, yes um and in some ways like for me i ended up doing what i i love not because i stumbled upon this and it worked very hard but you know i wasn't 18 and i was like i'm gonna do this and i i didn't have a linear path to right. what i was doing like a
0: traditional kind of
1: yeah, yeah. Yeah. And,
0: yeah.
1: and so, um, but I, I like it because, you know, I have all of these different, you know, tools under my belt that I can use to, to solve problems and I can see things in different ways. Like I, I understand financial crime differently that you know, because mm-hmm. I worked in the finance industry and, you know, um, I, just having all the jobs that I have, you know, I work at a radio station and, you know, things like that. All of, all of it has sort of you know, helped me understand, um like deviancy and, and crime and, right. and who like who bad people are and you know what they look like and who who the bad people really are you know I always right. tell students I'm way more afraid of a guy in a suit than I will ever be you know uh with a you know, guy with like chains and yeah. you know yeah the
0: stereotypical uh, type
1: exactly yeah you know, no always
2: fear
3: yeah, so yeah. I
1: did yeah, it just wasn't the, It's was like the authority, like it It just wasn't me, you know, and right. I'm not to say that that isn't um, a viable path. It, it certainly is for people, but, but I, I know that I wouldn't have been any good at that.
0: Right. No, that's, that's, that's great. I, I'm similar to you. I was like, kind of, I had multiple jobs, but like all of those things kind of cultivated to like get to, you know, get you where you're at. and
1: Yeah.
2: And today. Yeah,
0: totally. Yeah, no, I, I love that. And it's funny because Mark said, he's like, because I asked him, I'm like, well, like off camera, I was like, because the fbi is like i know you don't if you're a field agent like they they just pick you up and drop you wherever they want yeah he started his first 11 years he was in um uh, wyoming on a uh a native um
1: reservation territory oh yeah exactly that yeah well and that's what i'm saying so like and especially for like you know um Not not to be so stereotypical, but I think like even as a woman, I'm like I you know well what does that mean for relationships and people and you know can I I go out? You know I think it was very selfish. I was like well can I go out and have a good time? Oh I (laughs) can't. You know. Yeah no
0: you're right. It's because that's one thing that kind of turned me off too. After a while because I looked at the FBI as well. I'm like wait, the, uh, the FBI homicide detectives yeah. uh, people in those industries like have like the highest divorce rate high suicide rate high stress yeah. and i'm like damn like i'm already like an anxious person and i was like last thing i need to do is be in a situation where i gotta potentially kill someone and like shoot the ground and then i'm dead like you know so i was like eh I'll pass. Let me just go make movies instead. My mom was like real happy.
1: Uh, (laughs) The the safe job. Yeah, I'm going to be a filmmaker.
0: I'm going to make millions of dollars. Yeah, right. Um, But yeah, it is what it is. But no, that's that's uh, I just was curious because sometimes I talk to people like you are professors in certain industries I'm like, you know, why not go like the criminal like route if you're going to capture them, but you're so fascinated with them, you know?
1: Yeah. And plus, I like all the other stuff, you know, I like the. Um, you know, um, all all of the like the social concepts of, mm. of crime, like you know why is this particular crime happening at this time? like just um, all of the I, I think dealing with only offenders um, oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, like dealing with only um, offenders is only really looking at one piece of the yes. puzzle because you have to look at, You know, why victims can tell you so much more about um, an offender than just looking at the background of the offender, right? Right. Um, Their choice in locations, their, you know, their habits, all of those things. And that's not necessarily, you know, something that I just didn't want to focus only on offenders. Um, I wanted to sort of look at like the whole picture. Right. and, and so that's really you know what I wanted to do and, and plus it's it, it's more I have more flexibility but I, I've worked with law enforcement for many, many years and and the best homicide detectives are those that they talk to everybody they talk to everybody on the street. They, I mean it's a, it's a personality thing and oh, that's yes. one of those things that um, I don't think they teach at the academy like you have to have something, you have to have a curiosity about people,
2: mm-hmm.
1: right? And I think that, you know, maybe people get into, you know, the criminal justice system, you know, to to make things better, but they don't have a curiosity about people. And I right. think that's when it's like not a good fit.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. I think like back in the day when like, you know, ride-alongs were cool. And like, uh, it's just the, the image of the police officer is so different now. It's, yeah. it's all negative almost. Um, and it's like back in the day, regardless of the neighborhood, it was like they were a part of the community. They were respected. They were just treated differently.
1: Uh, oh, I'm going to say this. I'm going to say it's never been a good time to be a police officer in the United States. It just like just uh, it just never has because right. because of the, the nature of the fact that they are, you know, they're agents of the state right you know this is just essentially um so they're never going to be um it's you know whether it's the 60s whether it's the 40s i mean there's always just um you know social change makes it so that you know we're always going to push back Mm -hmm. on um on authority right and and they're in that unfortunate position of you know having to enforce laws by the state and you know, it's it's bad now. You know, um, but also in the '60s during the civil rights, yeah, I mean, yeah, it was yeah. pretty bad. And and during, you know, oh my goodness, you know, the, riots the turn of you know, in the 1900s, it was just just
0: that's
3: true brutal. Yeah,
1: um, it's never a good time. It it just never is. But you do bring this really important point that it, you got to have a personality. You do you have to be curious and you have to be curious about people because I, I, that's the thing that they, you're never going to solve a crime. If I mean, you're going to solve a crime, but you're never going to be that person that, that shines if you're not a people person. And so right now I have a concern because we're all, you know covid you know we're stuck behind screens and uh we're becoming less social in mm-hmm. a way even though we're oh, yeah. more connected is that i mean it seems like we are more connected to people but we're less social and we yeah. don't know how to talk to each other anymore
0: it's weird it's so funny you yeah. say that because like i when i started my podcast i was doing everything in person three cameras set up like it was great yeah. and i felt like it was way more uh personal because i could really like it was there with the person so i could pick up on weird cues differently and just like social awkwardness and you know sometimes it's like you don't know because a lot of times that i'm talking to someone they're highly academic highly intelligent they always don't have those personal skills
1: you have to yeah well that's well that's the thing you know um i always wanted to be um the professor that I, I say that the professor I never had, but I had some, some good professors, but by and large, they were all, you know, old white dudes.
3: Yes. Um,
1: and I, I wanted to be like an accessible professor, right. You know, somebody that you can take those very complicated concepts and sort of put mm-hmm. them into In layman terms, terms. Yeah. It seems to do more good, you know, the, the more that you can, because nobody reads academic journals. I mean, they really don't, um, <laughs> And it's just, I I think that we do more service, like doing even like TV shows where we're talking about something, you learn more doing that almost, or you get the word out more, and then people can read your boring academic stuff. But, you know, um, if the idea is to help and to change, you know, it's not going (laughs) to we're not going to do it as academics sitting in our our bubble and only sort of talking to each other. Right. Um, It just, it's nothing. It doesn't interest me. So, yeah,
0: no, I agree Um, with you. You couldn't be more right because it's like, as someone who was terrible in academics, it's like, I always drifted to the teachers and the professors who wanted to kind of come down to my level, understand me, understand my likes and uh, and, and certain, like how I tick versus like, just like the stereotypical standard, way of teaching and those are always the classes that I killed in
1: yeah it's so weird yeah it is well I mean because there's you have to be engaged I and I'm similar to you know when we were talking about like you have to um do the thing that that you love and then anything else is sort of boring mm-hmm. you know like I I can't just you know if you just dry lecture everybody I I lose <laughs>
0: yeah you're doing the lecture
1: <laughs> so i mean like i at least have to entertain myself so yeah, i've been teaching on zoom the past semester and m- none of my jokes are, are landing, landing. In this social environment but at least i'm entertaining myself you know and that's, that's great it it's like just a screen of names and i'm just like Doo, do, 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 you no. know, just
0: yeah no like, i agree at least with I can you
1: entertain myself but yeah
0: you're you're right it's definitely like the you're we're less connected uh, or, or we're more less social, but more connected and it's easier access, but it's still like, it's not the same. And there's someone like me and you, you sound like the same, like I, I need to, I, I want that like person to person. I mean, COVID sucks, but I'm like, God, man, like I can't grant it. I could not get to you. I couldn't interview. I'm not going to LA. I am not my pocket. I don't make any money off this thing. Like I'm not right. going to, be able to fly. I, I would be a total not, I can't do that. So like this makes it yeah. easier for me to talk to people when I lived in DC I had access to very interesting people that I could just drive an hour to talk to. I can't do that in Colorado Springs.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And you're absolutely right. Like when I lived in Boston, I can get on a train and go to New York or something like that, but it's, you know, it's in some way this has helped us, but it's not the cure at, at all. And this is, so when we go back to talking about like serial killers and, and really sort of understanding these individuals, the, problem is, is we have to have this sort of shared idea of what society is. And, and it's, we're so disjointed now, my fear is that people are going to walk past us, and we're just not going to see mm. them, you know, these potential killers, right? right? Because we are all in our own little world. Um, we're not sort of engaging in a way that we can sort of see, um, like, Bad behavior, mal- like red flags. You know right. what I mean. Uh, it's, I mean, the. I'm just hypothesizing, and it's just a fear of mine. You know, it just seems like we um, we're not we're gonna be less in tune with people, which means we're gonna be less in tune with, um, you know, the really bad people that we right. need to be, you know, sort watching
0: of- out for. Yeah, it. yeah I agree yeah. with you. I think it's so much easier to mask yourself now because you have this digital platform where you can, it's just like the whole classic, like, you know, and Instagram and stuff like that. It's like this lifestyle that these people are living. Like most of those people are miserable. They're not happy. They're not rich. They're not glamorous, but now you can do it in almost every aspect of your life with work, you know, with, with social. I don't know. I just think you're right. It's like a lot of like, you can mask way easier now than maybe you could, if everything was in person or you had to kind of show who you really are, if that makes sense.
1: No, that's, you know, you're absolutely right. And so, you know, moving forward, and when we think about the fact that, okay, we know that if we're, you know, that there are very bad people that are around us, they look like us, they're mimicking us, um, and they have bad intentions, you know, um, they're looking at the exact same thing you are, but they're looking at it with a different lens, like, right. you know, right. like it's, you um, it's concerning, and so it is. you know it'll it'll be interesting. So thirty years from now, you know, we'll be looking at a different type of serial killer. Like you know, um, interesting. There may be more Craigslist type killers. You know? I yeah, I mean, you know, yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: That's interesting. Yeah, I didn't think of like thirty years from now. Like, what kind of serial killer? Like, what will the serial killer? Like, you know, thirty years from now, those people are going to Ted who. Yeah. You know?
1: it, it, it'll be one that's been like on a dating app of some sort mm-hmm. or some or you know, takes advantage of certain groups or yeah. like next door or something yeah, like Uber. that. Or yeah, yeah. Somebody that embeds themselves into, uh, you know, a community of some sort. Right. Um, yeah. you, you know, it's got it's going to they're going to use technology to their benefit. For sure, and technology is going to be what ends them too. Right? You know? Yeah, exactly.
0: And then I know a new offender will come out. Exactly. So, exactly. Um, one last thing, if you want to talk about it, you mentioned you were involved in surviving R. Kelly. Oh yeah. So, what were you? What was your? Were you just like talking about like the psychology of it, or like the criminal background of that's like what was that about?
1: Well, that, I mean, so that was oh my god, and I have to go back in the Wayback Machine, but you know. <laughs> First of all, I think when um, I was I, I was actually asked I was it was I was recommended for that um, you know because it's funny because they interviewed um, my husband but he didn't make the show which is fine but he's like hey I know somebody you could talk to and I ended up like really hitting it off with the producer and thing like that and, you know and we sort of um, spoke and Interesting. my my role I really wanted to talk about sort of the victims and maybe why, um, and what I did talk about essentially, you know, was why, you know, R. Kelly would be able to do what he did and how he could manipulate these women and how, it, you know, we, in hindsight, it looks with these young girls, right, you know, um, you know, how, you know, the music industry certainly masks and protects a lot of, of, Really problematic people, Mm -hmm. right? Um, Because as long as you're making money, they're always going to look the other way. Of course. Um, And it's going to be at the, you know, um, unfortunately, you know, not, it's going to be to the detriment of, of, you know, women uh, and men, you know, they get taken advantage of. Um, And so I really looked at sort of like victimology in that regard. So, you know, I looked at, you know, what's, you know, how he was able to prey upon uh, these young girls who wanted to be, you know, just anywhere in the same, you know, circle as R. Kelly, you know, because music um, and musicians were so you know getting into the music industry was so much harder oh yeah um in the you know in the 80s and 90s when he was really prolific even in the like you know the african-american or the black community rather you know um i was really startled to see that they were talking about r kelly i'm like oh everybody knows that everybody knows he's you know this kind of guy everybody why are we talking about him in 2019 you know Right,
2: right um i didn't know that
1: yeah, so I was I like, nobody's was gonna like that. watch that. Well, I did, when I thought I'm like, no one's gonna watch this. I mean, everybody knows that, and it just mm-hmm. it, it turned out that, that everybody watched this. But you know, everybody watched it, um, and I was really surprised. I was like, how do people not know this? And and he's you know the worst kind of offender that that preys in, on members of his own community, and mm-hmm. in a way that you know um, just awful it's yeah. absolutely awful uh you know and uh it's it's essentially invisible because it's uh you know he can go to chicago he can you know pick up young girls that want to be stars and he can mentor them and then he can abuse them and it's no it's, one it, it looks no normal
0: so look yeah it looks exactly it looks it's kind of like it's like a wine scene thing like like at least in the hollywood that's another thing that yeah off is like Um, I knew like okay for example when Kim and Spacey came out like all his stuff I was I literally was like okay and and this is like he's uh, bisexual everyone's known that I mean but then everyone didn't even realize that
2: yeah yeah
0: it's like yeah well in this industry that's like normal and it's like you know I, yeah. I know people that worked on house of cards that spacey would go up and grab their ass and like what are they going to say were they going to go to the director or the producers Like,
1: well, and that's the thing if people don't don't realize that and especially if you have not grown up in the music industry and you're an aspiring singer or you haven't grown up in um and, and i would say you know even people that grew up in the television and movie industry still fall prey to this but yep. if you don't know it you don't know what, you don't know how the sausage is made, Mm -hmm. you, you don't realize that this person is grooming you
3: um,
1: for something else, right, you know, you don't, you, you think it is normal, you know that they work really hard, that they have this work ethic, so, you know, two in the morning sessions, well, I guess that's par for the course. Right, but in reality, there's an ulterior motive. So you wouldn't know mm-hmm. that that person has bad intentions because yeah. you're really looking to them um, for guidance yeah, and how mental. to navigate an industry that that you've only dreamt of and you've only seen one aspect of. Right. You know, Yeah,
0: hundred percent. Casting couch is a perfect example of that. Oh that God, yeah. Is, you know, I, me and like we always would joke joking, like in college and stuff, like oh, it's it's do some auditions and get a casting couch. Not even realizing what we were saying. We're like, well, wow, sure. that's kind of like that's a thing where like you know, young women will come in, and they think they're going to get this great role, and Weinstein would be like, well, you're doing this first, and, right? Like, you're not going to get it. No one's going to ever hear from you again. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's,
1: like, it's, it's- fucked up you know and the thing is is like we just don't want to believe that that's like when when you look at you know that's really it. highly successful especially like men of, of a certain age you have to realize there's a lot of collateral damage behind them um for them to get to the top like that you know um and i'm not it's just um it, it, there's we we just don't want to believe um women we just don't no. And this is, you know, it sort of makes me think about, you know, when I was talking about domestic violence, it's like, we just don't want to address it. right? And we just don't want to believe that there is a a problem. And really there is, and, you know, and it's only when you get these cases like R. Kelly and like Weinstein and, you know, and Epstein and, you know, it's, uh, and then we're still shocked. You know,
0: (laughs) I know. know. And it sucks though. I think it's like the times too is like, I, I talk about when I put my tinfoil hat on with my friends and on the podcast when I talk about conspiracy stuff but specifically Epstein is like you know it's it just just Lane Maxwell right now is on trial she just got yeah. convicted five of six counts yeah. I didn't hear about it in any national it literally like the biggest kind of like case in the last I don't even yeah. know how many decades nothing about it and it's like The, the, the 20 hour new 24 hour news cycle. It's kind of like when a school shooting happens, oh my God, it's so sad. I did my, my heart emoji on Facebook. Okay. Now I'm good. Like I did, I, I did my part. I feel like back in the day, it would have been like, there would have been much more accountability held because there's like nothing now.
1: Yeah. I, you know, and you're right. You know, I think it, part of it is, yeah, the, the news cycle has diluted us, uh, you know, it's, it's so diluted, and also, we now, none of us have a shared sense of um, what's happening in, in the United States at the same time. You know, there, there there's something to be said for, you know, growing up in the 70s and 80s, and you know, there's three channels, and everybody gets the same news at the mm-hmm. same time, and so we're all on the same page, and we can experience something at the exact same time, True. and and there's something important about that. Now we don't experience things at the same time. We watch it at our convenience. And so what's happening is, you know, someone's getting outraged here. Someone's getting outraged three months from now, someone will get outraged about this, um, you know, um, five years from now and that's sort of what breeds like a cancel culture you know like (laughs) you know not that I you know we're we're starting to look at the behaviors of something or a news issue that happened that was really important but we just didn't pay attention to it at the time and now we're paying attention to it and now we want to cancel it right Um,
0: yeah yeah that makes a lot of sense. yeah what do you think about cancel culture
1: well it's um the problem is is that Everything that all of us are saying now in 30 years may be unacceptable. And so I think that there's like a, a you know, there's there's definitely some things. Um, you know, with cancel culture, it's 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 bad because we're not allowing the person to um, really sort of sit in sit in their own field. They're just canceling them. Like I sometimes I think, you know. Um I, I'm a person that always likes to at least have some sort of lesson be learned from some sort of right. catastrophe. Right. So, you know, when it, so here's a touchy subject, so we're talking about like police involved shootings, I mean, you know, unarmed black men, you know, uh, or just black people in general. Um, there is sometimes, you know, there is this idea that, you know, we have to fire this person immediately because of something they said. And and for me, I'm like, well, maybe what we should do is sort of make them a spokesperson, you know, maybe sort of really, you know, instead of like firing that person, maybe we should, you know, find a way to make that person really, you know, pay uh, like almost on the daily for that, like right. and keep your position, but now you have to um, advocate yep. for the thing that you, really, um, you know, disparaged, right. if that makes sense. And no, that makes not, total sense. You know, but um, police shootings are one thing, but like there are, um, you know, uh, it's it's tricky, you, you know, because in 2020, we all had this shared moment of, of watching George Floyd and being outraged. And, and you, you saw what could happen when we all are, are watching something happen at the same time right in front of our face right right and um now we're sort of back to being disconnected and hearing about things you know um
0: at our leisure
1: at our leisure and right. nothing's happening there's no social movement forward
0: right right i agree with you and i think there's a, another part of that to so your point earlier about like like instead of just firing the people in cancel culture i think like there's 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 good like with george floyd there was it was something i mean he died that's bad that came out of it but something good did come out of it
1: yeah yeah
0: but i was thinking of like okay well there's also there's a lot to say of like when we all are looking and all fixated on the same thing it's something especially now in today's world everything happens so quickly that we're not having the time to like sit think about the decision we're about right. to make. we just make it and then yeah. we don't know if well- it's bad or good
1: well, well, absolutely. You know, and, and with cancel culture, I think it's it's bad because there's no, you know, um, first of all, it's a judgment, and we're basing it on what is acceptable today, mm-hmm. right? And you know, even when you watch movies, um, you know, recently, like many people, you know, I you know i watched the new matrix movie right and and you know the first movie came out in like 1999 if you watch movies around 1999 the language and some of the jokes and you know people would be offended yes but but it's really a reflection of what we found acceptable then and i feel like we're trying to you know it's (laughs) we're we're trying to um I don't know if we are trying to cancel things because we want to remove all bad language and all bad thoughts and all bad, you know, um, ideas. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know if that's necessarily good because then we become numb.
0: Right. I agree with you. I I think it's also similar to if you look back and at Abraham Lincoln and Thomas Jefferson and George Washington, it's like, Okay, everyone, you know, George, uh, Abraham Lincoln, Emancipation Proclamation, Free the Slaves. Do you think Abraham Lincoln didn't have slaves? Maybe not. In his-
1: <laughs> well, you know, yeah, you know, we because, have to understand the history of our, our country, right. you know. And,
0: and, and to your uh, point, though, is like in the 90s and with the movies and stuff, it's like, he was you can't crucify him or george washington or i mean they're trying to take down the lincoln memorial when we were in dc in 2020 and i'm like that was the acceptable thing back then he just
2: Mm, did
0: less of it i guess um and did more to help prevent it and remove it with 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 freeing the slaves and everything like that but it's like to your point of like the movies it's like at that time that was what everyone was doing not just one person if that makes sense
1: Right, right. You're absolutely right. It's, you know, uh, and we always have to be careful with politicians because, you know, they're all problematic. They're all problematic, you know, you know, but, but you're absolutely right. It's, you know, um, shows that I used to watch when I was younger, you know, like um, All in the Family and things like that. Like the That language, that would never fly today. Never. You know, that, it's just... It's but, but we can't... We have to acknowledge, we have to be able to sit, uh, again, sit in our own pill Right, know? right.
3: We have right. to be Accept able to watch
1: it. these things and, and, and absorb it and be okay and then sort of move on. And I don't know if... Um, and I may be getting it wrong because I just... I really don't keep up with like cancel culture and things like that. So no
0: you're right. you're not getting I, um, it you're getting it right.
1: Yeah, I just I think that one, there's no stopping it and and two, um, you're going to be canceled because we've all said something oh, yeah. every single one we can't to, to put to put everybody on a platform of this perfection is just ridiculous. It's impossible. It's, it's to say that we've all said I've said ten stupid things in this <laughs> today, Same, yeah, yeah, you know?
0: yeah. someone's going to take this clip of me saying something <laughs> right, about right. and being okay to have slaves, and then yeah. next thing you know, I'm going to have. <laughs> and then I'm like, "Yeah, slaves, yeah. have them." You know, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, gonna be that,
1: it's it's great. Yeah, it's it's going to be it's, real great.
0: It's exactly right.
1: You're yeah. so right. But it's, but at the same time, you know, um, I do appreciate sort of like younger generations being cognizant of language, it's important, but I, I, we can't, um, we can't just make it go away.
2: No. And can that, punish, that's, uh, yeah. The, I mean, the
1: past,
0: I think, too, is like it's like you're right. Like I, I love like the younger generation. Like sometimes I'm like oh, I can't say this, I can't say that, whatever. Fine, I'll do. That. I
1: do have a hard time with that now. Yeah. I'm teaching. I'm like, oh, I, I can't say these things. I yeah,
0: yeah I can't even imagine. And I, I I'm yeah. the same way. Like if I, I, I'm, I, but I, I adapt and I accept it for sure. But I get upset when like we try to punish like things that happened in the past, like the boomer generation and stuff like. It's like that's just how they. Yes, it was bad in our eyes now. That's just how they did things then. We can't go back and fix it. All yeah. we can do is move forward and not do it again.
1: And and we're doing something now that future generations are going to be like, I cannot believe they did that. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. and you know, it's that's the reality. It's like, yep. um, whenever we're looking backwards, we have to remember someone's going to be looking backwards on us. Right. Yes. yeah, so, that's a great point. Um, we can't, we can't, you know, say that it's it's baffling to me so you know I, and plus like I just I can't be that outraged at at everything right just yeah, no, I don't know, have the time
0: same I'm just like over it like sometimes I I used to get very emotional with things and politics I'm like this is not gonna get me anywhere let me just I sure. can't control it I'm not gonna spend any energy or or space yeah. on it you
1: know? yeah all these there's you know I can't keep up with like the new terms and, and things like <laughs> that so like you know, keyboard warriors or whatever. I yes. don't know. Just, yeah. <laughs> you know. just do
0: you just leave me alone. Just don't be a serial killer.
1: I, just, yeah. Really, you know, it's like just full circle. Don't be weird about that stuff. You know? <laughs> right, right, don't, right. don't do yeah. weird don't do weird stuff like that. But yeah, you know, so it's oh my god. Um and you can see I'm a talker. So oh no, this is great. I love it. Um, I don't know how you're gonna cobble together an episode, by the way, because I'm just you know.
0: Oh, well, I'm, I'm not, I don't edit anything. I just, I, I do an intro, which I already shot. I trim the front and the back to just to make sure all the fluff that we had. And I just let it go. I don't, I don't like to doctor anything, just natural, raw. That's it.
1: Yeah. I, you know, um, so now when, with teaching, they, they want, they meaning, you know, university administrators want us to sort of have these um, record these little, mini lectures to post for Mm -hmm. our students. And, and I struggle with that because often, you know, I will talk and I, it's free form, you know, like I'm much better in person. Um, There's a dynamic that being in front of the classroom, or being with students, you get the synergy that you don't get uh, on screen. Oh, so much. Um, and what I find is like if I'm what, if I'm trying to do it like a mini lecture to myself in my living room with like you know cats fighting in the background, <laughs> I just. I like I'm one dimensional, and you know, listening to myself, I'm trying to cut out all the ums and the us mm-hmm. and the. Uh, uh, yep, yep. No, I just,
0: yeah, I gave that up a long time I? ago. I'm just like I say, um, I, I, I yes. halfway through a thought, I'm going this way, and I'm not
1: exactly. It is so now, Yeah, so at, it's funny because so after doing. After doing some TV and after talk, you know, podcasts and listening to that, I can't judge anybody for what they say because I'm like, I would not have said that any better. Yeah, you know. Yeah.
0: It's, um, it's, it's 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 that's why I like this longer form stuff anyway, because you can kind of like flesh out a lot of like difficult topics and stuff like yeah. that versus like on a TV show, like you said, you do 10 hours of filming, you got three minutes of playtime. Like that's not gonna get your point across. And in the magic of editing, that can make you sound like in anything
1: <laughs> yeah well and, and the thing is it's like sort of understanding that process now we talked about so much more that didn't make it mm-hmm. um, that would have been so much more interesting and, that, and that's one of the things that i'm like what happens to all that you know um because even when you know i did invisible monsters i i, I was like well, i might be um i might be in one episode i have no mm-hmm. idea um because they they don't know you know and you don't know what the show is going to look like you're just going in and you're just doing an interview on your particular piece and you walk away and you don't see how it's going to like weave in and i'm Mm -hmm. sure like you know that but i didn't know that because i didn't i'm not a tv person i'm an academic person you know i'm an academic so you know um i for me i think the hardest part was like you know having sort of like these sound bites that you say that are very quick and to the point and I'm work that's something I'm working so on. you got so. get yeah.
0: Well, that's what I'll do with this. For example, I'll take I'm going to take this long form, I'll post it. I'm going to take the audio, I'll post it, and I'll send you that, but I also I'll chop these up to uh, you know, about 10 to 15 different 2 to 7 minute clips to put on my second channel with just clips. And then oh, I'll, geez. Take, I'll take those clips and make those 60 seconds to throw on TikTok, uh, and Instagram and Facebook and stuff like that. So I I do I I doctor that. But I don't doctor the
1: right, right full thing. Oh, that's great! I can go see a TikTok now. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: You, know, <laughs> you got to get. T- yeah, you don't have Facebook. You got to get TikTok. But
1: I do, I well, I have it because I, I I'm I'm trying to monitor my uh, stepdaughter watches on TikTok. So I'm like, I got to know what you the gotta, kids are doing. Yeah, so know, I know yeah.
0: what she's saying, you know. Yeah. What are your kids um, doing? No, yeah, yeah. Get TikTok because you'll be on there for sure. I just got, I actually got shadow banned. Speaking of cancel culture, um, I, I, w- I had like 10 million. I grew mine ridiculously in like uh, about a month, over 10 million views. I was, uh, you know, 30,000 followers, half a million likes. And like it, it literally a very small amount of time. And then they people will get butt hurt. Cause I'm talking sometimes about controversial topics and oh. they started, you know, submitting forms for me and like, kind of like saying I'm going into community guidelines. Now I have to start all over. I have to start. I'm
1: starting a new TikTok this week. So. Oh, is that how that works? So it, yeah. it, it's interesting. I mean, that's like, that's such a different world for me. You know, um, I, I kind of like, uh, living in a world where I don't have to I mean, I do have to worry about, like, you know, likes, (laughs) per se, but I mean, like, I don't, uh, that, the whole social media with, like, the likes and uh, subscribing and everything like that, I, um, I am not... not paying attention to that yeah it's um but i'm paying attention to the people that are paying attention to that right yeah no no yeah
0: you kind of have to from a distance because it's it's very it's it's frustrating because it's these are also businesses so like they can well that
1: that's the thing you You know you could ruin somebody's livelihood and you know or you know there are people that are legitimately probably that clearly need to be canceled i will say like uh you know for r kelly like that's somebody that 100 percent
0: weinstein cancel it
1: yeah but but but, I mean, uh, we are all, you know, five minutes away from a terrible gaffe. You know, oh. you know all of us are. Literally. Every
0: one. 100%. You know. That's why I'm like, when I'm getting, not that I'm canceled, but I'm like, I my, so they have the For You page. I don't go on, I can't get, I, I, my stuff doesn't get promoted on that page anymore, which is where new people find you. Which is oh. also filtering people to my YouTube channel, which was growing it very quickly. But now it's like, oh, someone got upset and, and hurt. Now they're like, just like, oh, well, I don't agree with this person or what he said. I'm just going to submit a claim and let TikTok do its thing. So
3: Right,
1: and, and then you never have to think about that thing again. And right. then, so how do you you grow? Now, I mean, there, there's such a, you know, like there's very, you know, hate speech is one thing, mm-hmm. um, you know, but, you know, again, I think it's, I'm living in this world of like academic freedom in which we should be able to say things and we should be able to sit with that horrible thing, and maybe have a dialogue about it, because that right. really is how we connect and, and we grow.
3: Right. Um,
1: and when we push it away, I think that that is uh, when we do ourselves a disservice. And and I think I, I've made myself slightly unpopular in the view that, you know, sort of, you know, with this a movement of like defunding police was like, well, you can't, disconnect yourself from policing and push it away it's not going anywhere you know you can't and actually you know looking at research you make policing worse when you when you take away funds Mm -hmm. you know you actually increase the likelihood in some cases of um you know um police making poor judgments because they're working longer they you know and you know the bureaucratic system is such that it immediately um the The most important things get cut first. So training, um, diversity hires, those things that that make policing better. Right, uh, right. They know what they're doing, you know. And so, oh, 100%, <laughs> so, so you yeah. know. And so those are the things that you need, education, training, diversity, hires. Those are things you need more of first and and we're shooting ourselves in the foot. Yeah,
0: you're exactly right. And that's like, it's, it's the, you know, when I think Jocko Wilnick said it, like the Navy SEAL, he was on Rogan one time, he talked about defunding the police. He's like, no, they need to be like Navy SEALs basically and be great at everything. And also he was saying how like, you know, if you defund them, if you make it hard and it's like the most hated position, on the planet right now who do you think is going to become cops who do you think is going to want to become cops these people that don't want cops
1: well yeah well the reality you know you know, and and, and I'm so for reallocating sources to community. Like, no, but like, I, everybody's like, yes, communities need more mental health services. Absolutely. And if it's reallocating budgets, fine. But unfortunately, it sort of got politicized into something different. But I think that the key thing is, is that even, um, even academics, even, even very smart people, I think they, they don't realize that you you can't get rid of police in the United States. they're written into our laws, right. You know, it's like right, it's, yeah. I mean, like yeah. you just can't. You can't just there's no place away. in the US they're not allowed to go, and you know, they're oh, well, there's religious exemptions, like, no, well, I mean, they can get a search warrant eventually, mm-hmm. but like you you can't. And, and so, you, by cutting the cord and, and disconnecting yourself, you're gonna make it worse, right? right? You right. know, like 100%. So, I mean it's we've got a long ways to go and and policing is really complicated and especially if you're like you know um you know a person of color and you're teaching about policing it's definitely it's like,
0: what it's are you doing off. it's not you're not supposed to be saying no I, I yeah can't really
1: yeah imagine. you know um and it's i unfortunately i because i've worked with police for so long i just like i I see both sides and it's it's very uh, touchy, but, but, uh, but I also see the reality is that we're not, they're not going anywhere. We cannot get rid of them unless we change the laws.
0: Right. You know, which Um, would take forever. And I just don't see that.
1: I'm like, you see Congress, uh, you know, it's it's,
0: they're They're made to go slow.
1: Uh, I mean, well, I call them antiques roadshow at this point because there's nothing, you know, it's
0: literally the government was supposed it's not supposed to be efficient. It's you know, yeah. it's so but yeah. yeah. Well man, hey, we talked for over two hours. Oh my
1: god, I've got to feed these cats. Yeah, and these myself. cats they're,
0: they're like dying fighting each other. But hey, Khadija, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate yeah.
1: it. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. It was a blast. I hope um yeah, no, I had I had a good time talking your ear off. So no, I hope. this was
0: great. No, I love this because <laughs> it it was great. We're bouncing uh stuff off of each other and I, I learned a lot. I know my viewers and listeners will really enjoy this. They like this kind of stuff, but um, but yeah, thank you so much for coming on.
1: Where yeah, can people find and-
0: you, you know?
1: Oh, God, that's right. Because I'm just anti uh, social with the social media. I have to go to like the school website. But I, I mean, there's a couple more things I'm doing with television that'll come out um, soon. And that'll be interesting. And um, usually when that I mean, just people have to I'm gonna make people work to find me. They just.
0: Well, I'm gonna put all your links in the description. (laughs) Yeah, all two links. You know. Yeah.
1: yeah, Absolutely. You know. (laughs) Do that. I do have a Twitter account. You know. You do. I I followed you. I do. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Okay. (laughs) I haven't checked it in a while.
0: Thanks for following me back.
1: (laughs) Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, Yeah. But um, yeah. I just you know um. Yeah, I have a Twitter account there. Um, you can you know, stalk me at school. You yeah. D- yeah. Just do it the hard way.
0: Yeah, it's just not the you know, old school Ted Bundy style.
1: <laughs> no, no, just kidding. you not know to don't, find me. Don't
0: kill Khadijah. But, no, uh, but yeah, no. thank you again. And that's another episode for the E4 Explosive Podcast. We'll see you next time. And right now they're doing a buy one, get one free, plus free shipping, the 30-day money-back guarantee, and a lifetime warranty. On top of that, you, my friends, will get 10% off of any product, of any purchase on their website by using explicit 10. Use the code explicit10 and you'll get 10% off your entire purchase from bravoconcealment.com.